Okay. Good morning, everyone. I uh, took a little time on both things here on the computer with a different way of looking at it. But uh, <laughs> I'm hoping that uh, my reading is going to do okay as well. So I've kind of got the Bible nearby. <laughs> and I've got the Bible on here, on the computer, and I've got some writing on here. Not very long ago, we did uh, uh, the first chapters of the Ten Commandments that are up there on the wall. And uh, I did uh, kind of one that covered a couple of, of the commandments, and then I did another one that covered that one and that one and that one, and then I did the fourth commandment. And so now we're ready for the fifth. And really what I want to do is do Oh, I've got lots of time on my wristwatch. <laughs> um, to be able to do more of, this, of the Ten Commandments all at one time, I'm hoping to finish all at one time. That's uh, a bit. But let's go for it, because uh, there's better, uh, nothing better than the Ten Commandments and nothing better than God's Word, so uh, <laughs> we'll um, try to cover these things. Some of the scriptures that I have today um, they kind of are shocking or, or catch, your, catch your breath, which means that you might want to write some notes as to where those verses are, where those chapters are, and go back and read them um, because they can be quite shocking when you try to tell what the commandment is actually meaning and referring to. Otherwise, you just have some basic three words or four or five words as a commandment, and if you don't understand the depth of it or where it came from and why, uh, what it refers to, what it helped, uh, those all help you remember it and to live by them. Um, therefore are good. That's what the Bible says, right? <laughs> God gave laws that were good for us. Uh, this commandment, the sixth one, is honoring your parents. Even when I was studying this, I hadn't thought of this for a long time in certain contexts of honoring your parents. Because even my son asked one time, uh, I, I don't know how to honor my parents, how to fulfill that law, what to, what to do, what's expected of me. It takes more thought as you're going through the scripture and scripture readings and so on, that uh, you obviously can't just blow past it and assume that it's going to sink in. You need to have a little bit of time of reading and thinking on it. Honoring your parents. Uh, it's not just Mother's Day and Father's Day, <laughs> okay? That'd be two days out of the whole year, you know. There's something more to it. So, of course, the commandment is uh, in Exodus 20 and verse 12. Honor thy father and thy mother. That's what we're, is a command for us to obey and to learn with. Um, what rewards are promised for those who obey this commandment? So when you look at the Ten Commandments and you find that one, I've got it here on the screen, but I'll have to go downhill here a bit. Don't you just love computers that just take off on their own wherever they want to go, when they want to go. Um, I closed the computer and reopened it. And that is not possible. Wow, I'm not even close. That idea is not going to work. I've got, got three screens, and two of them are going at one time. Okay. <laughs> All right. Back to the Bible. <laughs> Let's go back to the Bible. We need Exodus chapter 20 and verse, verse 12. 
chapter 20 and verse 12. See how fast that is? Uh, 12. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Wow. It's got a promise attached to it. And that's mentioned elsewhere in the Bible that this is the only commandment that has a promise with it. Wow. And I sometimes want to write on the side of it, I'll take it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> We might as well have all of the blessings and all the promises that we can do to have them beside us and with us. That's a, a real blessing. Got the uh, next sentence or two here that I want to get to. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, children obeying their parents. The commandment is for children to honor their parents. And if this is done through obedience, there's kind of a thought there. Is it only obedience, obedience or how do, you, uh, how do you present this uh, idea to people where uh, obedience is not always possible? We know of a, a lady in California who her parents refused to let her go to church on Sabbath. That was parents' command that she was supposed to obey. And yet here's this other scenario going on. Um, do you obey God more than man? Remember the disciples had to say that to the leaders of the church of their day. Or do you disobey your parents and go to church to honor the Heavenly Father? That shouldn't happen if the parents were leading the home properly. I've had parents that weren't uh, taking care of their duties. And they said, oh, when, uh, when my child grows up, they can make their own choice. The trouble is, they never showed them one of the choices. So there was no comparison for the child to do. That wasn't going to work. So... Um, Yes, parents have a, quite a responsibility in all of this in showing the children what obedience and proper obedience is. But if the parent gives the wrong advice and the child knows it by the scripture, that it's wrong advice, uh, they need to obey God rather than man in that certain cases. But the other cases where obedience is highly recommended because it's got a promise with it. So you're kind of torn sometimes between a couple of things, but the child itself would have to begin to know the, the extent of the scriptures, reading the scriptures. We used to get it in school as well as home, at church, Wednesday nights, Friday nights, Saturday nights. We got scripture. So that we had that in our head as to what was expected and what was not expected. And it was easier to obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right, it says in Ephesians 6 and verse 1. For this is right. It should happen that way. It should be the right way to go, uh, to obey your parents and receive God's blessings and um, learn from the scriptures so that you have those choices ready for your life as it progresses. And then one day you're a parent. Whoops. <laughs> you know, then you have to uh, be able to stand on that as well. Should a child obey um, his parents when such obedience is contrary to the commandments of God? And then the verse that they put in here was Acts 5.29 where Peter and the others, other apostles answered and said, as they were talking to the leaders of the church, we ought to obey God rather than men. These men that were unlearned, supposedly, except they'd been with Jesus for three years. And they had learned from the scriptures when they were young. They had sung the scriptures and gone to church. Uh, they, they knew the scriptures, really. And they knew that there was something different between what the uh, leaders of the church here were telling them and, uh, and what Jesus had taught them. So we're to obey God rather than men. So they needed to spread the gospel witness and preach, and the church was saying, no, you can't do that. Don't preach in the name of Jesus. For parents, when your children are uh, not 
given to you as slaves. If you're thinking of the parents themselves, um, there's even verses about that where the child came to the authorities and said, my parents wanted me only because I worked for them. That was wrong. That was never God's intent. It was to be a loving relationship and a building up of their person to set the person up for future life, for schooling, for education, for all these other things that would carry them because you only have them a few years. I I don't remember much before I was five, seven. I don't remember much. So my parents had about, about 10 years to give me something that would carry me the rest of my life. Interesting. Okay. Um, so uh, there are duties for the, for the children to be done. Um, I'm going to get myself back in the right here. Parents, your children are not given to you for slaves, nor are they expected of the Lord to obey, obey ungodly orders given to them. There, there are duties for you, the parents, to your children, that they might have proper training and the right to grow into upright citizens, both in their country and their church, as well as their home, and for Heavenly Father and Jesus. They have that opportunity and right to grow up in those good training, good examples, become good citizens. And um, what a blessing that can be. If you had parents that were forcing you to sell drugs, spoiling somebody else's life, you'd have to say, no, this is not right. This is not of God. That's one rule then I don't have to obey. What is one obligation that the parents have to the children in the scriptures? Well, one that talks to the fathers, and we know that it often uses just the male uh, words, but it means for both parents. Here it says in Ephesians 6 and verse 4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's Ephesians 6 and verse 4. Um, there's a guidance and a bringing up, proper kind of bringing up. Um, some said, well, uh, we were badly treated or whatever, and it's say, uh, my parents drugged me to church. My parents drugged me to here. <laughs> That's... Uh, that's not the way it ought to be. It ought to be a loving relationship. And want to go, there ought to be some interest, some fun, some discussion afterwards. Uh, church, to me, was always more fun. There was a lot more kids to play with and to go roller skating with or whatever the, the menu was for uh, the church family. And we could really enjoy visiting in church families. And as we grew up, the, the, uh, went hunting with three of the young men, uh, two of the young men and myself made three, and the three dads went deer hunting. We had something in common that we did and we got good food from it and did canning and all those kinds of things. Um, so that's an obligation for the adults there as well. Is uh, disobedience to parents condemned in the scriptures? Oh yeah. Some of you maybe know those verses. Well, here's some little help set the stage. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Could go to other scriptures, obviously. Something like this when disobedience, it, it gets, I've actually got one coming up here, so let's, let's go there. Children need to honor their parents. I tried to blow up the print here, so make it a little easier for me. Um, 
the obedience to the parents, unless the obedience conflicts with God's commandments. But obedience is not only a way a child can learn to honor the parents. The proper attitude to their parents reflect the honor to them. Right attitude. Um, you know, sometimes we only remember the times when uh, we were being punished or corrected and you kind of got out of the way when arms started flying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, that was not the right way to handle discipline in my home, in parents' homes, um, and their children and how they raised them. But there was other times when you really did respect their knowledge, their way of handling things, their way of doing things, um, that the parents can give assistance. Sometimes they, the parents need the assistance later on too. And when the child is young, the child needs the clothing, needs the food, needs the carrying about and um, patting on the back to get them to cough or whatever. Uh, there's a lot of care goes into it. What happens when it's the other way around and the parents need the help? Do you honor your parents by saying, no, I don't want to do anything like that? See, that wouldn't honor the parents. And we wouldn't be respecting them and, and honoring them. If they needed help for whatever need, whatever cause or age or health or uh, just work around their, their home and so on, we need to spend some time with them, communicate with them, unless the parents really don't want to have that respect given to them. They don't want it, don't feel... They sometimes feel like they're disabled and that's a sad situation. They don't want to go there. And then it's hard for the child to help. But also it goes the other way around. And I can remember this when I was in school. Dishonoring their parents. They were not Christians that were doing this, but they would say, oh, the old man says such and such. Or the old woman did so and so. My old man, so-and-so. Um, no, these are not respectful words. After they had raised you and fed you and clothed you when you were unable to help yourself. That's, that's not right. Uh, we need to respect and honor one another. What did Jesus say about honoring the father and mother? Well, he said, For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and thy mother, and he that curseth father and mother... Let him die the death. That's in Matthew 15, in verse 4. That kind of catches you when you think that Jesus had something to say about honoring. In uh, Exodus 21, and verse 17, and also in Leviticus, there's a verse in chapter 20, verse 9. Uh, this passage says, and he that curseth father and mother shall surely be put to death. Jesus was quoting that. Wow. And you know, there's verses there. If you get into there and start reading, the parents, if the child would be disobedient and wasn't controllable and was acting up and um, really misbehaving, uh, I can't think of the word now, but if the parents could take the child and go to the elders that sat in the gates of the city, they would take him to the elders and they'd say, this child is disobedient, belligerent, and some other words they might have used. And uh, they would make a judgment as to whether this child should be put to death. This was a serious matter. And Jesus is alluding to that in the New Testament. What it really means to us that believe and know the scriptures. The child at a very early age should be moved in the direction of respect, responsibility, and behavior um, so that this never happens. And nowadays they don't want you to spank the child. They don't dare mention the spanking or any kind of uh, repercussions for wrong behavior. And it's just ruining our whole world. If we learn respect for our parents, we learn respect for the Heavenly Father and respect for right things and proper things. And you know, this, this all has to come. Take, we, scripture even says, we all were punished by our parents. Okay, yeah, 
we all learnt respect and so on. We were all punished at one time or another for doing things wrong. That helps us understand what happens when God gets upset. Then the Bible has to say the fear of God is not before their eyes. Okay, that's just here in this commandment. Um, another verse, um, thinking here, in the days of Moses, the children of Israel were stoned because of violation of this commandment. We do not practice this today. We don't handle things that way. We're not allowed to. Uh, countries' laws and so on that don't allow these kinds of correction. But it still is sin. Wow. You know, when the law of the Bible, when you go through reading the Bible and they had to do this and they had to do that, and it was God's command to do it, and now we're not allowed to do it, it just makes the world a worse place to live in. No, no repercussions for wrongdoing. It's still sin. And remember in Romans chapter 6 and 23, wages of sin are death. So maybe you don't get it now, but you're going to get it someday. <laughs> the judgment day is still coming. So we need to make sure our children know these things and that we respect them uh, from the past as well as going on into the future. So let's go to another commandment. The sixth commandment is murder. Thou shalt not kill is in Exodus 20 and verse 13. Thou shalt not kill. That wasn't talking about the bugs and the... <laughs> wild animals or a snake or something. It's not talking about that. It's talking about humans. That we shall not kill uh, people and human beings. It's not that we uh, need to kill all plants and animals and things that get in our way, but it's not a sin as the way it would be with humans. We are directed by God saying that it is a sin to take the life of a human. Well, how do we know that for sure? We need to look at a few uh, verses here. Uh, the first recorded murder, Genesis 4, verse 8. And it came to pass when they were in the field, Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him, killed him. Then what was announced with the problem? In following verses, it says, uh, And art thou cursed? Oh, pardon me, let me get going here. Uh, what punishment did God pronounce on Cain because of this act of murder? And this is coming from um, uh, the following verses that right after Genesis 4, verse 8, uh, after that to uh, verse 11 and 12. It says, and now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tellest the ground, it shall henceforth yield ye, will, will not henceforth yield ye her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. Repercussions happened. In the end, if he had not turned his life back to God and, and repented of the, the sin that he did and so on, uh, he's going to die forever. It's going to be that bad. But if he were to turn himself around, he could avoid all these things. The first thing is his, brother, his brother's blood was received by the earth. It made a difference. His whole life, his, the ground that he used and everything was all destroyed, all affected by his sin. So murder is definitely a sin that has, comes with repercussions. And it's an interesting statement that the earth opened her mouth. That should be even a Bible study. That would be interesting. How many times the earth opened its mouth and swallowed people up? And how comes like how many times a death in a region 
cause the ground to be not blessed, not giving her, her wealth and her good and her um, nourishment to us because of sin that was involved with that. There's laws against murder, and that's in uh, Romans chapter 4 and verse 15. I don't think I'll find it over here. It's just not going to happen. Um, here we are. Uh, where no law is, there's no transgression. In other words, when Cain killed Abel, this is a, it's kind of a secondary thought, but when Cain killed Abel, we know that that was wrong. How do we know it's wrong? God said so, and the results of what we read says that it was a sin. And then some people are saying there was no laws before Moses, before the Mount Sinai. Oh, oh yes, it was, right there. There's repercussions. It was called sin. Okay. So um, we know that there was a law there because the scripture also says uh, uh, where there, in Romans 14, 15, right here. Where, where no law is, there is no transgression. That's in Romans, Paul stating it. And if there are no law against murder at that time, when Cain's killed Abel, slayed Abel, then he would not have been guilty of transgression. There'd be no punishment. Wow. So there was a law. Laws are good. God gave good laws. Okay, let's, uh, let's go on to the next one. I wanted to read at this point. I don't have the slightest hope of gaining it here. So let me go to uh, the Bible. I want to read these uh, last commandments here. From verse 12, uh, Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. We, we talked about the mother and father. Honor thy father and thy mother, the days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill. There is the brief point statement. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Another short, down to the bare bones command statement. Thou shalt not steal. That's as, you know, like some people say, what, what part of thou shalt not do you not understand? <laughs> Okay. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Don't covet. That's a wrong thing to be doing. It's going to bring problems. It's a sin. Um, we could look up and this is recommended. I would recommend you look it up rather than somebody else try to look it up. But we're looking at the... Uh, did I skip something there? or No? Oh, what did I skip? <laughs> sorry. 16? I forgot. Oh, I'm sorry. There's 16 I, I left out. Okay. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Uh, and then verse 17... Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, nor his... Oh, did I leave out just 16? Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, just verse 16 I left out. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Oh, yes, that one. I did not read that. We don't want to leave that one out. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Uh, as well as the last one on coveting. So going back there to uh, uh, committing adultery... It would be better for everyone to look this up, either in a Webster's or in Google or something where you can look it up and find out what this adultery is all about. There is a lot said about it in the scriptures. If you normally read through the scripture once every year, you're going to run across these things and then you're going to say, oh, wow, God made it very plain. So let me put this in my, my own words. First, you have to have a witness. You'll find that in the New Testament, that somebody found the air, the problem, the sin, and brought it to Jesus. Okay, that's, you have to have a witness. But also, if a maid was a virgin, is what they really meant, and somebody wanted to take a wife, that's, that's fine. 
but you go through the proper channels, proper ways of doing that. If he uh, was in the city and he took, a, took advantages that he should not have taken, and sometimes that's the woman's fault. Okay, so he won't leave the women completely out of it, but and you look at some of the television programs and they're all undressed, they're all shoulders all bare and who knows what else. Um, that is not good. That's enticing. In fact, the New Testament talks about, are you defrauding your brothers at church? That is not a good idea. Anyway, if the, uh, if the woman was caught, um, I think the scripture starts with in the city, and the man and the woman are put to death both. You say, wow, why? You need to read it, right? You need to read the Bible. The problem was, the man did the wrong thing. He sinned. He deserved to die. Why was the woman killed? She was in the city and she did not scream. She did not holler for help. That's what the problem was. So both of them died. If they were in the field and the man took advantage of the woman and they, they were found and brought to court, you know, brought to a hearing, uh, they would assume that the woman hollered and there was nobody to help her. The Bible says that. She hollered for help and there was nobody to help her. So she lives and the man dies. This adultery is a very, very serious problem. It's a matter of life and death. And it never gets taught, right? If you don't teach from the Bible, it will never get taught. They just think, oh, this is human nature. You know, this is what people do. They're misbehaving and living the wrong way and so on. Um, it's interesting that when Jesus, when they brought this woman to Jesus and said, this is what she's done, and we caught her in the very act, it almost sounds like it was staged. And it was probably in the city. I, I don't know, it doesn't say. But how did Jesus handle it when they brought it to him? Um, in, this is from John chapter 8 and 3 through 5. What did Jesus say in reply when they told him that she deserves to die, really is what it's supposed to be, that she should be stoned? And um, uh, what sayest thou? You know, they're challenging Jesus. What do you say? Because they're trying to find fault with Jesus' uh, extension of the law, ex explaining the law. So he didn't fall for their trick. But what he said to the woman, let's find it here. Um, well, I think I'll just tell it what I can remember. Uh, the, the woman was brought in the midst with the men around that were going to be the judges and they had, they had said that they had caught her in the act and this was a true statement and so on. And uh, so Jesus' response to that was, whoever is without sin, you men that are without sin, you throw the first stone. And that's a custom of the Old Testament. That's a truism of the Old Testament that if you brought somebody to court and you accused them and it was worthy of death, the, the witnesses were the ones that threw the first stones. That's heavy duty. So Jesus is saying, okay, you're accusing this woman. You guys that are without sin, you throw the first stone. Slowly they slipped away. <laughs> and Jesus started writing in the sand. And it's awful, oft, oftentimes thought of, what did he write in the sand? Anyway, he kept writing until they were all gone. And then he said to the woman, where are your accusers? And she probably said, you know, they're, they're gone. You know, they've left. And he said, uh, I don't accuse you neither, but go and sin no more. Because that sin was worthy of death. They were ready to take the stones and do her in. So that was worthy of death. And he's letting her off. Not really. Because what about the judgment at the end of this world? So he said, go and sin no more. Probably we could add one word and get to the temple and give your sacrifice for forgiveness. You know, for us, go and pray to God. Ask for your forgiveness. Talk to Jesus about this problem. 
get that problem solved before you go down the road further. Go and sin no more. Okay. Let's go to the next. Um, the law against theft. I think that's the next one that I wanted. Against theft of property, stealing, taking things, however you want to word it, that you shouldn't be taking. When I worked for some companies, they said, don't even take a pencil. Because that is stealing. If you steal a pencil, you might steal one of the other objects on the shelves. And people tried to do that. I was working for Sears. And some got caught stealing blue jeans. Pathetic, isn't it? A little price of blue jeans, and they would steal not one pair, but two or three. And then one lady tried to steal three VCRs, cameras, cameras, video cameras. She stole three through working in the, the uh, incoming products and putting them on the shelf in the stock room in the back. But you know what really brought her down? It's, she tried to return run for cash. <laughs> I mean, stupid people are really stupid. And like some people say, and they vote too, you know. <laughs> oh my goodness. Stealing is bad. And if we don't preach it from the pulpit and read it from the Bible, it's not going to be known. So people think that they can steal and just, no problem, and just get away with it. Just. When I went into Ace Hardware here, near, near here, they had chains on everything from lawnmowers to this and that. And we wanted to buy one. And they said, well, you can't get one of these. They're just display because the people are coming in and stealing the gas caps and who knows what they're stealing off of them. You have to get one in a box. So you get all the pieces when you get home. Sad. Stealing. Boy. Theft is a really bad thing. And there's a lot in the Old Testament on stealing and how to pay back and what happens if you steal this and steal that. Uh, what about a man stealing? Is in the Old Testament. And it's good for us to know about those things. We call it kidnapping. And uh, let me go to... Um, this Exodus 22, verse 1. What was, the, what was to be done with one caught stealing? If a man steal an ox or a sheep and kill it or sell it, he shall restore five oxen for an oxen and four sheep for a sheep. There was a rule. Now, why the oxen was a bigger animal if you're going to kill them, butcher them, food, and it was a bit greater value. The sheep would multiply faster. They have more, more babies. So maybe it was a little less. I, I don't know if that logic really works. Theft is theft, right? And you don't steal saying, oh, I, I've, I've got more I can bring back. One thing it did not say, put the man in jail forever and ever and throw away the key. Read those verses about what you do with a theft with people that steal. They had to pay back. That's what it said here too. You had to pay back to the owner that you stole from. And then you're actually clear. What do we do nowadays? We've got a real good system going now. If my neighbor has somebody break into his house and steal some goodies, and then we go around and we catch him, we get the goodies. They have to be held for for uh, compensation, for judgments and so on, for cases. So, and maybe he's thrown them away, maybe he's ruined them, uh, used them up, sold them, whatever. But you catch the guy, you prove that he's the right guy, then you put him in jail, and you make the neighbor that's already hurt to pay for his keep. <coughs> pay taxes and insurance and so on. You have to pay for it. that guy in there, his bread and butter, his electric, his telephone, his... Anything that he gets while he's in jail is free to him. Medical plan. Because the neighbor next door that was already hurt has to pay to keep that guy. That's not justice. Yeah. Bible said pay back, you know, so many times. What if he stole a car and you had to give five cars back? 
of the same value, same make and model or whatever, I think they would stop things. And the other way of it would be death, of course, if you disobey the rulers of your land. You say, I won't do that. You can't make me do that. Death was what the judgment was. Read those things. We, we need to understand it. What if you steal, oh, steal, what if you borrow the neighbor's lawnmower and it breaks while you got it? Who fixes it? Actually, the Bible has the answers. It doesn't use a lawnmower. It mentions other things. You fix it if you bought it or broke it. If you rented it, it even says if you took it for hire, if you rented it, then it came for its hire. You had to just put the pieces together a little bit, but theft and stealing and so on are definitely in the Old Testament, and we know what to do with them. And kidnapping, uh, if uh, in Exodus 21, verse 16, and he that stealeth a man and selleth him, or if he be found in his hand, he still got him, still keeping him, he shall surely be put to death. No monkey business. Don't put him in jail forever and ever and let him have television and whatever. Yeah. It's a serious matter. Uh, how is the theft regarded under the new dispensation? I've got a verse here in uh, Matthew 19. 17 and 18. If thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. That's from Matthew 19. That's Jesus talking as well. Let him that stole steal no more. That's Ephesians 4 and verse 28. Steal no more. Rather, let him labor. Get a job. Get to work. Working with his hands the things which is good that he may have uh, may have to give to him that needeth go the other way around instead of stealing you start producing money with your own hands so that you can give to people that are in worse shape than you are what is the uh, what is to become of a thief nor in first uh, corinthians 6 and verse 10 nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. You're out. No future. Okay. False witness is the ninth commandment. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. And you know, I really like it when you... I haven't got all those verses in here. I'd love to have had them. But you go to the Old Testament, and when they would um, think to report somebody for, for wrongdoing, false report, and then you say, well, he's worthy of death. If it's a wrong report and they can prove it, you're the one that dies. If you report that an animal was stolen and that you want this other guy to pay you back with five animals, uh, if they find out that that's a lie you pay the five animals to the guy that you accused. Boy, that stops that business in a hurry. Okay? God's laws are good. You just have to read them and, and think through what happens if. Uh, in uh, Exodus 23 in verse 1, thou shalt not raise a false report, but put thine uh, hand with, with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. So if you know there's a false thing, you do not join with somebody else to witness against something because you know it's wrong. You need to get out of there, straighten things up. Don't give a false report. Uh, I got a note here too that I want to read. It should be noticed that the commandment forbids the bearing of false witness. It's the Ten Commandment that we read. It does not necessarily mean only that one should not make up a lie. But if 
and when someone uh, makes a lie and we knowingly give it speed in circulation by telling others we become guilty of bearing false witness. I thought whoever wrote that really had a handle on this, this, these scriptures and these thoughts. Some, some of the verses they say don't strike hands with somebody that's doing wrong and agreeing with them or showing that they're your friend or whatever. Don't even, you know, nowadays you do a high five or something, don't strike your hands because you're giving a false impression, false witness. And I like what it says at the end of this. It uh, has been said that liars are more to be feared than thieves. Wow. One can watch the material things against thieves. You can put a watch or careful. But liars will rob you of your reputation or standing in the community and uh, when your back is turned. People that backbite and tell lies, um, so on, that's a very bad thing. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, and again, I bet you'll never find it in here. Let's give it a try. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15. And 15 and verse 12. Now, which of the four that are in front of me? <laughs> um, okay, two are reading exactly alike. Now, if Christ be raised, for, oh yes, I know why I did the 12 verses or three, three, four verses. Um, now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, now, is that a lie or a truth? And some were teaching that Christ did not rise from the dead. That's what that verse is all about. So then what? But if there be no resurrection, and some were teaching that there is no resurrection. So he says, if that's true, um, no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? That's right. If this is true, then this is true. If this is wrong, this is wrong. Okay. If Christ be not risen, then is our preaching in vain a lie? And your faith is also in vain. Yea, we are found false witnesses of God. God sure doesn't need false witnesses. Um, false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ from the dead not raised not up and him raised not if God did not raise up Jesus and we're testifying that Jesus did come back and we're testifying that God brought him back raised him up then we're calling God a liar. Oh boy, don't go there. <laughs> God doesn't tell lies. There's no shadow of turning with him. Light is coming out of him in all directions. There is no such thing as a shadow with the Heavenly Father. He does not lie. And we're saying he did. See, Paul is really putting his finger right on the problem and saying, think this thing through. Okay, what's in 1 John 1 and verse 10? Again, it'll probably be faster with the Bible. First John. If you ever really want to know if you're doing it right, living it right and, and going to be right, read 1 John. <laughs> 1 John chapter, there's only five little chapters, but chapter 1 and verse 10, for if we say that we have not sinned, 
No, I, I never did anything wrong. If we say I have not sinned, we make him, the Heavenly Father, a liar and his word is not in us. Wow. Doesn't the scripture say all have sinned and come short of the glory of God? Okay, so we can't say it the other way around, that I didn't sin. I didn't do anything wrong. Okay. So what's to become of a thief and liars? In Revelations 21, verse 8, but the fear of the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable uh, and all liars, there's a little more to it there, but and all liars, shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. Liars. Oh, Santa Claus can fly through the sky. There's a sleigh that goes through. We can see him with radar. Lies. Outright lies. And, and people just think it's funny. And just oh, Well, we faked some people out, but it's a lie. They're telling wrong stories, wrong truths, supposedly truths. Um, what should Christians always speak? In Ephesians 4 and verse 25, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak with every man truth with his neighbor. That's what we need to be doing. In, in Philippians 4 and verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are true, um, pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Get away from the lying and all that other stuff. I better end there. I know I've only got one more to go, but I better leave that for next week. So uh, think on the positive sides and, and read the scriptures, get acquainted with God's word and believe the commandments have value. May God bless you.